0: I'm Laura Harper Lake, and I'm Sarah Reitzman, and you're You're listening listening to Creative Guts. Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to Creative Guts. Today we're talking with Marsha wood Mertanook, an interdisciplinary artist living in Goffstown, New Hampshire. This is another artist whom we don't know. We've never met her. So it's extra exciting getting to know her here on the Creative Guts podcast. So let's dive
1: right into this episode and learn more about Marsha's art and what inspires her. So how do you want to say your name? Do you have three names? Like on
2: Facebook? Yeah, pretty much. uh, Marsha Wood. I mean, I resisted taking my husband's name for a long time (laughs) because it is like nobody knows how to say it.
1: It looks cool, though. It It does.
2: And the thing is, I discovered I had no idea how many Marsha Woods existed.
1: Really? I felt Uh. with a
2: name like Marsha, how many can there be? Are there a lot? A lot. There's even a whole gallery in the Midwest called the Marshallwood Wood Gallery.
0: <laughs> Named after you. <laughs> I know, right? Well, so
2: I thought to myself, you know, a couple of years ago, I, I was thinking, I'd really like to be able to differentiate myself here, mm. you know? Absolutely. I, because I'd like to, to be able, people to know that, like, my work is mine and not some yeah. other Marshallwood. Wood. Yeah. So Very unique. you know. Yeah. I said, you know what, fine, we'll tack on that last name.
1: So <laughs> so you do a healthy mix of everything, it seems like. We're seeing a lot of printmaking and oil painting patterns on your social media and your beautiful website. Why don't you tell us about your, your art style and kind of what you're into and who you, how you define yourself as an artist? So for the most part at this point in my life, I'd
2: say I'm an oil painter and a printmaker. Those are my primary mediums at the moment. And, you know, it started out mostly uh, because of finances and space, Mm -hmm. you know, as far as what you can make. Those are pretty cheap, portable Mm -hmm. things you can do, you know, Um, and I've really I've grown to love it because I didn't. When I went to school, I never planned on becoming a painter or a printmaker. When I went to college, I went for ceramics.
1: Really? And I
2: got my degree in ceramics. And I still love it. It holds a very special place in my heart. But when I got out of school, that's when I got sticker shock.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Excuse me.
2: And I realized, you know, to be a ceramicist, you really... Have to have access to to space. I mean, lots of space because Absolutely. Yeah. it just that's that's the the way that medium is. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's a very space intensive thing to do.
1: Unless you're working in like one inch figures or something or something, yeah. you know, you know? <laughs>
2: right? Exactly. And so, you know, I still love it. I still feel like someday. Uh, Maybe I'll end up back there. It's such a wonderfully tactile medium. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very connective to the earth and it's wonderful. Um, But, you know, for now, what I'm into is the, the two dimensional, the paintings and the printmaking. And another thing I never thought I'd be doing, I do a lot of still life. Mm -hmm. And that was another thing. When I went to college, I was only ever interested in figurative work. I couldn't see how anyone found a still life interesting whatsoever. But I think that also informs the way that I approach my still life. If you look at my works, I, you know, and I didn't even realize I was doing this. I'm taking my still life subject matter and kind of making portraits Mm -hmm. of these things. And so I think each object kind of has its own its own life
1: absolutely you're taking very mundane almost throwaway objects in particular i'm citing the I don't even know what you call them, the little tabs that are on loaves of bread to close and to seal it up. And what inspired you to focus on a series of those with beautiful, luscious patterns behind them and intricate, unique details on each of the tabs?
2: You know, there's, there's a couple of reasons. I mean, first of all, they're just an interesting piece of design. If you're really looking at them, they do the job that they're meant to do perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) And we don't really think about that. It's something we kind of take for granted. It's there and we have it. And so for me, it's somewhat symbolic of motherhood. And it's something that has really tied in. These are things that I've started to notice just, you know, having become a mother, the things that we kind of overlook and take for granted that make our lives easier and possible that we're not really noticing so much. Things like the bread tab (laughs)
0: is (laughs) that our bread would be stale
2: if we didn't have this little
1: tab to hold it shut the
0: most insightful take on bread tabs ever (laughs) no
1: it's like a little piece of poetry next time i i go for the bread i'm gonna be thinking of that and i just love
2: you know the other thing is i just love kind of in it's kind of in the same vein i love looking at things that are kind of trash kind of throwaway, Mm -hmm. you know and really saying you know what makes it trash why is it trash you know, and uh, examining that and really saying, well, maybe this trash is beautiful.
1: You certainly do it justice. Thank it, you. <laughs> yeah. It looks so cool. Yeah. Thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> kind of blown away. Yeah. Thank also, you. the
1: um, the slides, like yes. the so, old slides that you do are just, because I, I love working with memory and faded memory. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a concept I keep coming back yes. to with some of my approach to stuff, and you are completely capturing that. So it's Thank just you. like,
2: yeah. oh, it's so dear. I am, I'm very interested in the idea of nostalgia and what evokes nostalgia and why certain things are they're almost representative of like a souvenir of our own lives. Right. right? Things that you can look at and think, you know, this is, this is not just the object. This is a part of my past. This is and it's almost like the past is a place that you're trying to capture, you know, and I love trying to find objects that can kind of bring that to mind and, and make you th- think, you know, not just like, oh, you know, I like that. More about having that piece of of what you were. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. (laughs) It really does. (laughs) I'm so drawn to it and it's very striking.
0: Yeah, Beautifully said. I want to go back to something that you said about sort of making that transition from ceramics to oil painting Mm because I don't want like this theme to get missed that there's something to be said about the barrier of entry into sort of a creative thing. Mm Because I think that there's a level of intimidation. For people who aren't makers or artists, they're like, oh, I'm going to have to buy all this equipment. And, you know, whatever mm-hmm. that barrier to entry is can be a little off putting. And so it's interesting seeing a transition because you're like, okay, this takes up less space and is more affordable. Right. And, yeah.
2: Right. And I mean, you know, nowadays there are a lot more places where you can go and rent studio time and really pursue yeah. doing those things. You know, you can join the New Hampshire Potters Guild on Facebook and they will have all kinds of resources for you to to find a way to create. But again, when I came out of college, that wasn't as easily <laughs> accessible information. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, at least to my mind that's how it seemed. <laughs>
0: So sort of like availability of resources and, yeah. and not just like materials, but also people who are resources sort of lowers that barrier right. to entry. Cool. You know, that's really
2: cool. Yeah. And I think as far as creative people go, I think most of us have that kind of ability to pivot when we need to just want to keep creating, whether you get to continue with this Particular medium. Yeah.
0: Did you grow up in a creative house? Did you have a creative childhood or when, sort of, when did that evolve? So I used to tell a joke (laughs) that
2: (laughs) when I was a kid, I wanted to either grow up to draw every day or be a pretty, pretty princess. (laughs) And then I'd say, and look at me, I'm a pretty, pretty princess. (laughs) But no. (laughs) <laughs> i mean i i had an idea when i was a kid that i really felt connected to image making there was a time growing up where i thought maybe i'd head more into writing i think my parents were very suspicious of following a creative career that's not their fault i think it's not an easy type of thing to get into. And I definitely think that if I didn't have the support system that I have, it would be a lot more difficult i'm very lucky at this moment in my life where my husband works a very good job and i'm able to be home with my son and while he's at school i can paint i can make my prints and sometimes you know i mean he's 10 now so sometimes even when he's home and we can collaborate on things i love seeing his insight i'm amazed by how how much children see Mm-hmm. That we stop seeing as we're older.
1: Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. We're told you've got to, you know, get serious, get real about your future. <laughs> and it's very common for parents to be fearful of their kids going into a, for sure, a yeah. creative. And I think that was even a bit stronger when we were in high school because, yeah, the internet didn't show, look, there's a ton of illustrators and graphic designers and videographers. You know, it felt impossible to get into, you know, this industry or that industry. Yes. Like it wasn't Oh, as I'll never forget
2: one I did take a painting class my senior year and I, I'll never forget asking my professor, so, you know, what, what do I do with this? How, you know, how do I get a job after this? Because, of course, I didn't start thinking about that until I was about to graduate. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and he just laughed and laughed.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I mean. I, I planned that I was just going to get a day job. Mm-hmm. I was going to work in an office and I was just going to do art on the side. And that was my plan. Yeah. I couldn't make a career of it. I'm just going to do that. And I'm a graphic designer by day now and a fine artist by night. So I have the best of both worlds. So. That's So great. Yeah. Look at that, old Laura. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that was pretty much. What I
2: was thinking, and I'd say probably it informed my choosing ceramics to begin with. I think there was some part of me that was thinking about the practicality of the Mm -hmm. medium. Thinking about if I, maybe I could still be creative if I choose something that could also be useful. Form and function. Useful, (laughs) you know, um, because of course now my viewpoints have, I think, widened, Mm -hmm. I guess to realize how images are useful in our lives.
1: Absolutely. It informs so much of everything we do, everything we interact with. Exactly. There's there's so many things that are, you don't even realize an artist had a part in making happen. You know, the conceptual design of a piece of furniture. I mean, everything, it's, it's there. So when you dove into oil painting and printmaking, mm-hmm. was it scary at first?
2: Oh, yeah. You know, the printmaking, not as much because, you know, by the end of my education, I was getting into printmaking. So I had a little more idea of what I was doing in that. But I'd only, I think, ever taken one painting class in college. So I had no idea what I was doing. I really, really had very little clue as to, you know, the correct application of paint, the print process of really mixing them well and it's just been uh, an exploration.
1: Well I feel like you certainly worked through it because I'm really <laughs> impressed by your figurative work. I'm a, you. I'm a figure artist as well and painting the human form particularly with oils I think can be so challenging and I feel like you have a lot of self portraits that really make a statement Thank you. and the way you use your shapes and lines it really kind of communicates a lot of emotion and I'm always struggling with that so I admire a lot. After you finished college, did you find it challenging to continue to create and be an artist? A lot of my peers in college aren't making art anymore and they've kind of just like saw that as a part in their life and for folks like you and I who went to art school and then keep on trudging through do you continue to take art classes do you collaborate with others or connect with others in some way like how do you keep learning and growing is it all independent study or is it
2: well I think it is a struggle and I think especially if you're going an independent study route it is a struggle it can be difficult you know the way I met my husband was I met him at a party and at the time he was planning to move to Seattle to start an arts nonprofit with some friends. And at the time, I was just working a day job. I was barely making any art. And I thought, that sounds like fun. (laughs) 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 So, you know, we went and we did that for a while. And, um, you know, we eventually ended up back in New Hampshire, obviously. And I'd say, for me, there is kind of an ebb and flow as far as getting your artistic energy from being in a group and getting it from being alone. And I think being with a group and sharing space and being able to see others work and have other people see your work, that's invaluable. There is nothing else like that to keep you motivated. And I'd say as much as people critique social media, that's something that Instagram can give you Mm. if you're not in a group. You can pick up your phone and take a look at what everyone's doing and just be inspired by all that's out there all the different visions that people have, things that you'd never think of, you know, and it's all there. And I think that's a really great way to keep inspired. Mm -hmm. It's also a really great way to get depressed. I could not
0: agree more. I love and that's why I love so much when people post process pictures. I love to see a work in process because I'm like, oh, that's how you did that. That's cool.
2: I, I kind of made a resolution for myself on my own Instagram to try To share process pictures, and it was a big deal because it was scary. Mm. I feel like my perception, anyways, going into it was when you put a piece of artwork out there, it's done, it's ready to be seen, it's finished, it's polished, it's perfect, just how you want it to show people how the sausage gets made.
1: (laughs) it was really scary but unlike how real sausage gets made it's a lovely beautiful thing to see (laughs) you know what not always
2: and i can tell you this is part of why i have a lot of self-portraits because i personally have a hard time seeing my friends or my family or the people that i love in that ugly stage of the painting there's always a stage you're painting where you're looking at it and you're like, this is so ugly. Yeah. I cannot believe I've done this to them. I need to throw it out. Yes. Mm-hmm. But if it's just me, I'm thinking, know. Of- I can always just make another. It's just me, whatever.
0: That's so cool.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And then meanwhile, you know, you take a look at it. It looks like I'm a total narcissist because it's just like me over and over and over again. (laughs) But for me, it's that freeing ability to think like I can get through that ugly stage and not have to worry about, you know, this person seeing it and thinking that's what.
0: I look like. Yeah. I need perspective.
1: I definitely have that as well, but I equate it to it's just the awkward teenage years of the piece (laughs) of your painting. Like it's gonna grow up if you if you put the time and effort in. It's not gonna be an ugly duckling. You will survive and grow up. And you know, I look at it like it's you know, your baby at conception, it's got its ugly (laughs) Years of like, Ugh, don't take my picture, and then it gets good. And Then
2: it gets good. Yeah. Yes, you know,
1: but it can be difficult.
2: You know, if you grow up looking at art history books and most of what you oh, see yeah. is all these beautiful masterpieces, it can be really hard to. To go through that process and then to also show it to other people. <laughs>
1: yeah, I almost look at it as it's a way for me to document the process for myself. Right. And it's like these other people are just walking by on the street. If they see it, cool. If they don't, cool. I'm, I can look back and see yes. w- the work I did in 2018 and how it compares to yeah. the start of 2020 and be like, oh, damn, girl, you are OK. You can see your own glow up yes (laughs) Uh, (laughs) absolutely no and it is
2: true and I can't tell you how many times I've had to go through my own feed to figure out when I made a piece yeah same you know so it is a great tool for keeping track of what you're doing and to really also if you're thinking oh my gosh I'm just not producing the way I'd like to be to look through and see but I am yeah I really am
0: (laughs) I find it interesting, too, to see what people who follow me like and don't like. If I get a Mm -hmm. a big reaction to something, I'm like, oh, okay, you guys like this style. Like, whatever that means, I don't know. know. Sometimes I post something that I don't love and people like it. And I'm like, oh, no, you're wrong. (laughs) It's almost like free market research. (laughs) It is. It It is. is.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, it's harder now with the changing algorithms. Oh, man.
1: Yeah. It can (laughs) can be a beast.
2: (laughs) <laughs> it is really rough, but you know, yeah, that's true.
1: So I love your work on Spoonflower, which oh, thank you. I never really dove into that. I didn't really know that site too much, mm-hmm. but I was checking it out when preparing for this and I was like, holy cow, this is all really cool. I was really digging the library card print. Oh, yeah and I feel like you have an affinity for like beautiful objects that don't get a lot of attention in a way which you were kind of mentioning earlier which is totally what I feel about library cards especially in the day of Audible so the fact that you made this darling print on it what inspired you to create patterns is that part of the printmaker brain in you? I'd say
2: yeah the idea of just that something over and over and over again something about that is so intriguing to me to see the multiplication of something and really The only reason why I had started Spoonflower, I started it when my son was a baby, because it took very little time to make a little drawing that I could load onto the computer and put on a fabric. And it just became my biggest outlet at the time, you know, and and now I go into it once in a while, you know, I took a break for a while, mostly due to access. Mm -hmm. I just didn't have the computer programs at the time, but I have again. And yeah, that repetition of items... Something about that is just so intriguing to me. And it's a little different on Spoonflower than it is with printmaking because part of what drew me to printmaking was not just the multiplication, but that you could have, say, 10 or 20 prints of your image in one state. And then you could go in and change it Mm. and do it again. And then you still have each state, you know. So for me, that felt like printmaking felt like less pressure than something like painting or even just drawing Mm. where you're making your image And if you go too far, that's it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know,
2: (laughs) but at least with printmaking, well, you had the previous state where, you know, you had it good right there.
1: It existed. (laughs) It existed. Can't really
2: recreate it, but it existed. (laughs) It existed. (laughs) And that's perfect for printmaking because everybody likes that, that limited run, you know. Yeah. I
1: don't know. Um, I just love it. Do you do uh wood blocks or lino blocks or what forms of printmaking do you work in?
2: Yeah, so currently
1: I do wood blocks and lino blocks. What do you do with them when you're done? Do you ever get rid of them, fill them, put them in a drawer? What do you how do you how do you handle <laughs> they're, that?
2: They're they Stacks in trays in my studio. I made trays, I stack them up, and that's pretty much where they live. And every once in a while, I'll get an idea to combine older ones. Like, the way I mostly work with lino cuts is I buy a speedy carve, Mm -hmm. which is more of like a rubber stamp material, but it works
1: great. Oh, I use it all the time. I love it. And
2: part of what I love about that material is because it doesn't crumble like traditional linoleum, you can really cut it into smaller shapes. Mm. Which allows you to experiment with combining different pieces of images that maybe you weren't thinking of putting together. But now since you have your you know your little pieces, you can try it out and see what happens, see what it looks like. That's so cool. I love that.
0: Will you tell us about the monastery art collective in Manchester? Oh gosh.
2: That was forever ago.
0: Is it still a thing? You know, I don't believe so.
2: I believe it has evolved from one of the members, I think, does something called music, art, poetry. I think it's called MAP.
1: Jason Bagata.
2: Yes. So, <laughs> I, so he was in the monastery.
1: He was my professor at Chester College. Oh, that's so funny. And I had a studio at the monasteries, but I wasn't a part of the monasteries. Really? But, yeah, So I you was were in there. But this was like 2007, 2008, I, I mean,
2: it feels like another lifetime ago, yeah. to be honest, because those were some gritty studios. Oh, yeah. They're they, gross. <laughs> and dangerous. Yeah. A friend of mine once made the mistake of ha- like she made it into the basement where homeless people went to yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. My friends yes. and I went down there before. It was spooky, and um, we
0: were yeah. trying to capture ghosts. You know, I—I no.
2: <laughs> I don't think I'd trade that time for anything. It was such a passionate, creative group we had. Everyone just really wanted to make art and make the best start they could make that was one of the times where I'd say that was really inspiring to be in a group I was definitely thinking of themes and ideas I don't think I would have come across outside of being a part of that I don't have the energy for it now but then it was amazing to be in such a group that was so creative and so driven and passionate that you'd all just stay up all night creating Mm -hmm. and it wasn't any big thing (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> this is what you did.
1: <laughs> it was great,
2: yeah. Oh, I think that's so funny that, like, you really, most people have no idea what that yeah.
1: is. We also saw online that you are a member of the Women's Caucus for Art. Yes. Which I would never even heard of. So what the heck is it? It sounds cool. So I'm passionate about this because the Women's
2: Caucus for Art, it's a national organization with local chapters. Mm -hmm. It is a group of self-identified women who are trying to promote, basically promote women in the arts, Mm -hmm. basically trying to get more inclusivity, more representation, education. It is an amazing group of women, again, driven, passionate, knowledgeable people that will really inspire you. And nearly every state has at least one chapter. Um, they have a national conference every year. It is very cool. It is not that expensive to join. I want to say it's something like $60 a year. I think I
1: saw $65 yeah. on, for new And members. that gets you
2: membership. I mean, it's different for every state, the, what the membership fee is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here in New Hampshire, yeah, $65 a year. And you have, you know, access to all the resources, all these women who are very supportive. They will share any information you're looking for if they have it to provide. And they're so great about pulling each other up. That sounds Um, awesome. The local chapter has a spring meeting and a fall meeting every year. Mm -hmm. You can go to it without being a member to get a taste of what it's about. But the New Hampshire chapter in particular is recognized nationally for being one of the most active chapters. Ooh,
1: I'm really interested in, in learning more about this. I might have to sneak into the spring meeting.
2: <laughs> and I do I suggest for female artists who are looking to really find a group. This is this is a group to, to, to get into, you know. Our local chapter also has what they call pods, which because New Hampshire is kind of a spread out state, yeah. and we have the one chapter for the whole state, these pods are more local groups that meet periodically to just kind of, you know, each one does different things, but a lot of them do things like you get to share your work, critique, sometimes you'll go on a field trip, things like that. That's awesome. It's really, it's a great group and really, I encourage, especially young women, we need the new blood.
0: <laughs> I can't believe I've never heard of this. So I'm on their website right now, WCANH.org. Org and it looks like they also have scholarships. They do. And they do exhibitions. This is awesome. Yes. The
2: scholarships. I believe it's a thousand dollar scholarship to female mm-hmm. student, and we give one out every year. I believe last year we gave out two. That is so wonderful. Yeah. I definitely
1: benefited from a few art scholarships way yes. back when a million years ago, and uh, it made it helps. It helps tremendously. Oh, it does.
2: It really helps. We've been. Trying to get the word out.
1: Well, you're doing it right here on Creative know. Guts. Know. <laughs> we'll definitely be posting about it on our social media and Thank website. You. Yeah, everything. I
2: think they'll appreciate it for sure yeah. because I mean, they're always excited to see new people too. It's not one of those groups where you walk in and you feel like the record scratches. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: No, and if it did scratch, it would be in the good way. everyone be like, ooh,
1: new yeah. blood. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to this new
2: person, see what they're about. Yeah, they're a great group.
1: Nice. I think we'll explore them further. They sound like a great resource and something the world should know about.
0: Yeah. It looks like there's no info yet on the spring meeting, but the info for the fall meeting is still on the website, and it looks super interesting. So I'm bummed I missed it, but we'll definitely stay tuned and share on Creative Guts. Absolutely. Thank
1: you. So now is the time for rapid-fire questions. <laughs> rapid-fire!
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's been a so, while since I've done that. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so if you've listened, you know this is the time where yes. we go through and ask quick, succinct questions that we especially edit down to be really quick. Uh, but we will start off with, what other artist has Influenced you the most?
2: I don't know about the most, but I mean, I could name a couple. The very first, and it feels like a cliche to say this now, but my very first inspiration was Frida Kahlo. Mm -hmm. You know, she was the first artist I saw as a woman really using the medium to express womanhood. And then more recently, I'm probably going to say her name wrong Louise Bourgeois. I saw an exhibit of hers at Hauser and Worth in Los Angeles three years ago or so. And, you know, a lot of her work talking about the art world and being a woman in the art world and what that's like. I'd never really seen such honest work about that before. And it was very inspirational and definitely has been informing, you
0: know, my more recent work. That's lovely. What is your favorite museum or an exhibit that you've visited?
2: I mean, it's probably the one I was just talking about The you know, the Louise Bourgeois at Hauser & Wirth was definitely a beautiful exhibit to get to see and to see it in person.
1: A medium that you haven't worked with yet, but would love to try. I would
0: love to try making murals.
2: I have no idea where to even begin, honestly. I mean, yeah. that, I think that's the biggest hurdle for me.
0: What is the most inspiring location you've traveled to? I don't think I want to tell. <laughs> you don't want us to go there?
2: <laughs> I have a place. I love it. It is very special to me. I've been going there since childhood. I'll just say it's somewhere in Maine.
0: Perfect. (laughs) Mysterious. That's okay.
2: Because, I mean, and this is probably going to sound like woo-woo, but something about Maine, I feel like the sky is different. And you you don't think of it that it's so, it doesn't seem that far away. It doesn't seem like it'd be so different. But something about it, it just seems like being so close by wouldn't feel so different. But it really, it's something. About it is definitely stir something in my soul that's different from from anywhere else. That's for Aww. sure. What is your favorite color? Yellow. Oh, was- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I
1: think it's she's obvious. in a banana suit, folks. <laughs> of course, it's yellow. <laughs>
2: I currently look like the man in the yellow hat.
1: No, we're wearing the same color though i love mustard yellow as well yeah very
2: particular i mean very particular yellow Mm -hmm. i love
1: the mustard yellow well (laughs) if you're interested in seeing what it looks like folks head Um, on over to our facebook page where the selfie will be posted of this of this episode
0: nice laura (laughs) (laughs)
1: that was smooth
0: (laughs) (laughs) what's your favorite scent
2: well combined oil paints and coffee
0: Mm. Oh, that's good.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean that
2: smells like something getting done. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Favorite sound? Probably cat purring. Aww. Oh that's I know. Good. I'm such a cat
0: lady. But <laughs> I, I thought love for sure it. you were gonna say the seagull siren. Oh <laughs> my gosh. Good
1: callback. Oh. <laughs> Nostalgia.
0: Get it?
2: Callback?
1: Oh. That was not a seagull, but you know.
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> That would be hysterical if it was my favorite sound because it really is quite a distressing sound.
0: (laughs) Sorry, you were saying cat purring. Yes, a much nicer sound. Yeah,
2: it's just I do love it. Favorite texture.
1: Texture. To do the cat hands.
2: I was gonna say. I mean. How much of a cat lady am I? Because probably cat fur. I mean that's been <laughs> an answer
1: on here before. Oh, yeah. for sure. You know? Yeah. We love our cats. We love our pets.
2: I mean, <laughs> I just find it so incredibly amazing that they want to live with us. People are just gonna imagine me in like one of those houses that's covered in cats. But I promise <laughs> you I have two and that is it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Final question, our favorite question to go out on. If you could go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self?
2: You know, I had an answer for this, and now, of course, I cannot recall it at (laughs) all. Let me think. What advice would I give my younger self? Stop waiting to be a perfect artist. Just make things.
0: That's a great one. Yes. Mm -hmm.
1: I need to hear that every single day. Sometimes it's like you get so halted with yeah is it going to look okay is this what i'm trying to convey yeah well we can't thank you enough for being oh, on thank the show you.
2: i feel really really honored to have been asked to be on here yeah i really love what you guys do on this and you know it's been great thank you that's awesome you. and
1: i feel like you know we always discover a new artist or creative a new bit of inspiration but then a new friend after this you yeah. know we, yeah. we're going to be uh, buddies now as yeah. uh, fellow <laughs> creatives whether you like it or not <laughs>
0: you're in <laughs> we'll see you at the Women's Caucus for Art spring for meeting I so. I do I have a feeling that might happen yeah. that sounds right up world. our alley yeah yeah
1: <laughs> and so you know we go out every episode with our little mantra so with that show us your creative guts <laughs> Huge thank you to Marsha for joining us on Creative Guts. That was so fun and interesting. I am beyond moved by her explanation behind the series where she's painting plastic tabs for bread. A statement that I never thought I'd say. (laughs) I am keenly interested in following Marsha on social media, her website, and seeing what she does next. I am also interested in checking out the New
0: Hampshire Woman's Caucus for Art. I think Sarah is too. Yeah, me too, to all of the above. I'm very happy to have a new artist to follow on Instagram and Facebook. And she really has a way of making really mundane things insanely beautiful. So spectacular. I just, I. Can get lost in all of her work. Yep, <laughs> me too. You can too if you check out Marcia's art at MWMaretinook.com. She's also on Facebook. Search Marsha Wood Mertinook Contemporary Art and on Instagram where her handle is at M underscore W underscore. And, you know, you can hop onto
1: our website, creativegutspodcast.com, where we will have links to her stuff. We
0: know that spelling is hard, and that's why we have your back. We're looking out for you, listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in to Creative Guts. We'll have a new episode for you next Wednesday.
2: Woo!
1: We have a sponsor ad where
0: it goes, er, oh, er. I wish we had the button Ooh, programmed for the record scratch. We always say we're going to do it.
1: There's sound effects on this board uh, and like like the Janet Jackson button we've labeled
2: it. Now, see, my question about voice acting because I always think this is hilarious when you're watching like a cartoon or something. Yeah. And they have to be like, oh,
0: uh, uh. I mean, They have to shout that uh, like yeah, a million times.
1: Like, I'm going to start over. Cut that.
0: Wednesday. Wednesday.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do like a remix. (laughs) Wednesday.
0: Remix. We'll have a new episode for you next Wednesday. Did you hear how normal that was? (laughs)